Hey, this is Word of Life in Bentonville, Arkansas, and this is our podcast. This is episode number three, and I can't wait for you to check out what God has to say through our pastor, Bill Rogers. Check it out. I've been talking about practical faith and powerful faith, so maybe I could call this part two. Practical faith is... I said before, sin in our habits, our daily habits, our routine, in our faithfulness. That's practical faith. Powerful faith is seen in the miraculous. The miraculous. God has, he wants you and I to walk in both, practical faith and powerful faith. Anyone here ever had a prayer answered? Would you, would you lift your hand if you had a prayer? It's, it's not voting season. We're not, it's, that'll be November. And, uh, but hopefully, probably all of us have had an, an answer to prayer. As simple as, I told the story years ago, it happened to me years ago, I lost my keys and the Lord spoke to me and told me where my keys were. In the box behind the seat in your pickup. I go walk out of the house, pull the seat forward, and look in the box. It had gloves in it. And on top of those gloves were my keys. Someone else put them there. That's a miraculous thing. That's simple. You say, well, that, is that a miracle? Of course it's a miracle. It's not a natural thing. It wasn't a natural thing. It wasn't my head knowledge, you know, because somebody else put the keys there and they didn't tell me where they were. So I found the keys. It can be that to something really powerful. You know, we hear, we read about miraculous things that happen in the Bible. And probably most of us have experienced even something that you would consider much more miraculous than that. I've had miraculous prayer prayers answered that were a a miracle, a true miracle. Thank God for that. But when that happens, of course, that's a miracle. Of course, we're going to look in James this morning, but first of all, I want to just tell you about Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and verse 46, both use this phrase or these words, they continued steadfastly. They continued daily, 42 and 46. That's practical faith, practical faith. There are people in this building that practice practical faith. Been coming to church here for years. Seldom ever miss a service. That's practical faith, boom, boom, boom. Routine. It's not just a habit. It's a great habit, by the way. It's not just a habit, but it's practical faith. My faith says Sunday morning, get up, go to church. That's my faith in action. Practical faith. But in the middle of 42 and 46, somewhere in the middle is verse 43. Verse 43 says the apostles were performing signs and wonders. I think in my translation it says wonders and signs. 
wonders and signs. That's powerful faith. That's miraculous faith. They were performing miracles and signs. And so the Word of God says that signs and wonders ought to follow us as believers. Amen? So that's powerful faith. But if you look in James chapter 2, I want to I go back there. I've been, I've been really studying the book of James. I, I, I guess I got on this. I have not read or heard one sermon that Rick Warren's been doing, but he's been going through the book of James for quite a while now. And I get information from him. But I don't think I've listened to any of those or read any of those. But he, it's his fault. I've I seen his interest, just some of his headings that sparked my interest in the book of James because i never seen the book of James as a book about faith before. But it's filled with it. I mean, I always look, look at Hebrews chapter 11, you know, when I think about faith. But the book of James is filled with faith. It's filled with it. And so let's look at the book of James, chapter 2, verse 18. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I want to I focus on, I will, that last part, I will show you my faith by my works. My works. Works there, the Greek word means acts and habits. So there we go, practical faith. I'll show you my faith by my works, my daily habits. My daily habits. And then in verses 14 through 17, let me just read those. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So if we truly have faith, it's going to be demonstrated in our daily walk with the Lord. James chapter 1 verse 22 says that we should be doers of the word. Doers. We say we should act on the Word of God, obey the Word of God. That's being a doer, obeying, acting on it. And as we do that, as we do that, you understand that's what's best for me if I do that. But it also, it also is the best way for me, me to be a witness to people around me. You, you know, you are called to be a witness Everybody agree? Amen. Tell your neighbor, you, you. Say it twice. You, you. <laughs> you, you are called to be a witness. You're called to be a witness. People are watching your life. You're influencing people toward God or away from God. You're to be a witness. Yeah, witnesses talk, but also witnesses do. They have actions. They have godly actions, godly habits. Godly habits. So we are to be his witnesses. And if we do that, it demonstrates practical faith. It proves 
our Christian faith. It proves who we are. See, you, you, can, you can claim Christianity all you want to, but you're not fooling people if you claim Christianity and act like the devil. You're not fooling anybody. I mean, say amen. Tell your neighbor, I ain't stupid. I'm not stupid. Amen. I mean, no Christians ought to act godly. Amen. It's, it's just, you know, if you're truly born again, see, I was born in the similitude, the Bible calls it, of Adam, so I acted like Adam. I was a sinner. Why do sinners sin? Because they're sinners. They're just acting out who they are. They're old, that old, sinful, Adamic nature on the inside of them. But once you get born again, you take on the nature of God. I didn't have to, I didn't have, to have anybody tell me that I needed to quit hating people. I didn't all of a sudden, people I did, I couldn't stand before. I'd do anything against, you know, might talk about them or do something against them and before. All of a sudden, I wanted to help people. Even people that had done me wrong, I wanted to help them. I don't, I don't care. I just loved everybody. And I thought everybody loved me. Of course, as time went along, I found some good Christians that maybe didn't, but just saying. But how many know we need to act like Christians today? That's practical faith. My, my faith needs to be practiced. I'll use it that way every day. And so from the book of James, I want to look at some scriptures. As I say, I've been studying through here. And I want us to see this. My Christian faith is seen and demonstrated. And I'm going to give you some things from the book of James. My Christian faith, this practical faith, is seen and demonstrated in my life, through my life, when I, number one, show no partiality. Well, give me a verse for that, Pastor Bill. Okay. Chapter 2, verse 9, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. James doesn't pull any punches, does he? Mm-hmm. If you show partiality, you commit sin. You're convicted by the law as a transgressor. Showing partiality. King James says, respect of persons. And it talks all about this through uh, verse 1 through verse 13. Not showing partiality. Or don't have more respect for one than another. I met some, I've met some powerful people in my life, a few. I don't go out of my way to do that. But if I, met, if I meet somebody, you know, especially somebody of influence, somebody that has a, a high standing in society, you know, how many know we all judge people, you know? Now, I don't need to be judgmental. I'll get on that in a minute. But we, do, we make a decision about them. And I'll just tell you that the wealthiest man on earth before he died, I met him at a gymnasium. I met him in a restaurant one day. I lived here in our community. I met him. And he treated me, he treated me like I was equal to him. And I thought to myself, I'd heard he was a Christian, and I thought he dimmed more of a Christ-like spirit than a lot of people I went to church with. He treated me equal, treated me the same, no, no partiality, even slightly bowed or nodded his head 
to me as he shook my hand. And I thought, well, I like that. I met a former governor one time. And he treated me the same way. He acted like I was somebody. How many know you ought to treat everybody like they're somebody? Because they are. I mean, say amen. Don't show any partiality. But see, we, we often do that. We often do that because of their, their wealth or their education or their stand in society, their place in society, or their race. It's a big issue right now. In your face right now. How crazy. Look at me. I did not get to decide what color I am. And you didn't either. So get over yourself. Amen. I don't care what color you are. I'm, you know, I came from, I came from a, a, a heritage of some people that were treated really bad, American Indians. And on my mother's side, the Irish, the Irish were sold by the Brits as slaves into the U.S. So, you know, I know all about my history, but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, that is none of me. I've been set free by the Son of God, by, the, by, by God's Son. I am free indeed. How many say amen? So how crazy for me to not like you or think something evil of you because of your race or your skin color or your education or your lack of education. Amen? Don't show partiality. That's, that comes from hatred on the inside. That verse just above it explains it. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well, it said. Turn to somebody beside you and say, I love you regardless. I love you regardless. Amen. It's a crazy mixed up world. Crazy mixed up world. For me to think, for me to think, I started, I remember a few years back, I got an attitude about somebody. I'm talking about while I was pastoring. I got an attitude about somebody, and it kind of started on the inside of me, and I thought, stop that nonsense now. That is not from God. They were poor, uneducated. I don't know. They may have been, they may have had some mental problems. I don't know. But I just stopped, and I said to myself, as you know, Maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to me and said, they're just as important to God. Jesus died for them just like he did for you. Amen. No partiality. For if you show partiality, you commit sin. Practical faith. Practical faith. Christianity has a completely level playing field. I've had you do this before. Maybe you'll do it again. Look around. And I'll tell you something about the people sitting around you. <clears throat> There's not a one of them any better than you are. Right. And the second thing I'll tell you is you're not better than any one of them. Right. Yeah. Hallelujah. Everybody say we all God's children. Yes. Amen. We're all God's children. Thank God for that. My Christian faith is demonstrated when I clothe and feed the poor. Chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, I've, I've read this, but if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? 
My Christianity is shown in how I want to help others. Clothing, the poor feeding, those that are hungry. In our, in our area, especially during this pandemic, I've seen churches, and we've been a small part of some of this, but I've seen churches feeding the poor, truckloads of food, truckloads. If, you, if you're hungry in this city, it's simply because nobody can find you, I believe. But see, that doesn't, that doesn't relieve, release me from my obligation just because two or three or four churches around here has done this. What I need to do, see, I, back to daily faith, daily walk with God, daily demonstrating my faith, I need to be aware of people around me who may be hurting in any way, actually. But the Word of God uses this in this scripture to clothe them and to feed them. There is no need, there should never be a person go without food on this earth. There's enough food on this earth to feed everybody. But we just have to have a big heart. We just have to demonstrate our Christian faith and we have to be looking for those people. And maybe even say to them, even say to them, even if you don't know them, can I help you? I worked for a man one time. And one of the greatest things that he ever done, he ever done, he, he, uh, he built churches, done, give a lot of money to missions, built churches in Guatemala. I think like he's probably personally responsible for about 90 churches in Guatemala. Of course, all he had to do was provide the $350 a piece for the tin for the top of the, the building, the roof. They had no sides. They had stuck up poles and put tin over them. But he's responsible for at, at least 90 churches. But one of the greatest things I ever seen him do, I would be with him, and on a few occasions, he would see somebody that looked hungry, looked like they didn't have anything. He'd just pull over beside the road. He'd get out and go talk to them and Sometimes they were, he'd stay in his truck and I'd be sitting there with him. I could hear everything he's saying. He would say to them, do you, do you have any needs? Are you, are you hungry? Do you have food in your house? He'd ask them things like that. And I know some of them, some of them, he just gave them money. Some of them, if he didn't know them real well, he would take them because right next, right next door to our office was Food Town North. And he'd just go, he'd meet them at Food Town North, go in, just fill up your basket. When you get done, I, I, some of them would heap them up. Or if they didn't, he'd tell them, heap them up. Get whatever you want. Get, is that all you need? Get more. And he'd pay for that food. See, that was the greatest Christian of all the things he ever done. Went to church with him, heard him, you know, prophesy, heard him do certain things. But of all the great things that he'd done that made an impression on me and people around him was he fed the poor. I believe... Listen, I believe as Christians, we ought to be feeding the poor. If you have a neighbor that's going hungry, shame on you. You say, I can't help them, I can't afford to help them, you call the church office. We can help them. How many say amen? See, I want to demonstrate my Christianity. I want to be a witness to the world. How about you? Number three is my Christian faith is demonstrated when I guard my mouth. Oh, everybody say, oh. Did you have to go to that one? Chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths 
that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Millions of relationships have been destroyed by, by an evil tongue. It goes on in, in, in chapter 3 here and talks about the tongue can be evil. Verse 8 says it can be full of deadly poison. Deadly poison. Be careful what you say. Remember the little song we learned in Sunday school? Be careful, little mouth, what you say. I think sometimes we forget. But that was a great course that we learned in Sunday school. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Or little tongue, what you say. Maybe that's the way it went. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath. I, I'm, I'm demonstrating my Christian faith when I put a guard on my mouth. Somebody said yesterday that they knew someone close to them that didn't have a filter. <laughs> didn't have a filter. Well, get a filter. You need one. Guard your mouth. Same thing. Guard your mouth. Be careful what you say. Speak words of kindness to people. If you can't find anything good to say about them, just don't say anything. Amen. Be nice. Turn to your neighbor and say, can you just be nice? Just be nice. Yeah. Now, I'm old school, so let me just say this. I hear Christians, I don't normally hear them, but I hear about them making remarks that my mama, her name was Roxy, and Roxy would have popped me right in the mouth for Listen, listen, Christians, if you're cussing people out, you need to get saved. If you're slandering people, you need to get right with God. Amen? You, you, you're, you're talking to a child of God. I remember one time Beverly and I hadn't been married very long, and she done something I didn't like, and I went and told God about it. And God said to me, you be real careful, son. That's my daughter. I said, yes, sir. That was the end of the conversation. That's all I needed. I mean, she was wrong. And she's probably sitting, she's probably sitting there thinking, well, I didn't do anything wrong. She probably did, but it was probably something real big. You know, you know how we can get upset about some of the simple, silliest things. But we need to guard our mouth. Number four. Walk in the wisdom of meekness. Now, I talked to some people, some guys here this week, and I told them, I'm preaching some of my sermon for Sunday, so you get to hear this again. Walk in the wisdom of meekness. If you look at chapter 3, verse 13, it talks about uh, 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 the meekness of wisdom in the New King's translation, New King James translation. The meekness of wisdom. I just turned that around and call it the wisdom of meekness. Walk in the wisdom of meekness. What, what is meek? It's to be mild. It's to be humble. 
It's the opposite of a strong personality. You say, well, I just have a strong personality. Well, let me say this to you. A strong person, a bold personality is one, but a, a strong personality, if, if we, we need to understand that the Bible tells me that I am crucified with Christ. And Paul said, I have to die daily. Now you understand, you and I can say that too. I have to die daily. You understand, we're not physically dying. We're not actually being crucified every day. We've not been physically crucified. If so, you wouldn't be here this morning. But what he's referring to is there's something about my personality that has to die. Oh, well, that's just my personality. Listen, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, if it's hateful and mean or anything like that, I mean, say amen. If it's not completely in love, I mean, realize that's a personality trait that I need to deal with. It needs to die. Why? Because again, I got rid of the old Adamic nature when I was born again. I've taken on the nature of Christ. And I can tell you, Christ didn't have that kind of personality. Amen. Yeah, he was bold. Yeah, he told the, he, he, he told the leaders, he said some things about them, to them. Told them they were of the devil. Wow. They were of the devil. He was bold in his stance. He told them who, who he was, and he didn't back down from it. But also, at the same time, he said everything in humility. He walked in humility. He was humble. He came. He's a, he's a son of God. He left heaven and came down, down here and took on man, took on flesh. He humbled himself. Now, we know that he asked or requires that you and I do the same thing. Let me give you some, some things. And I, and I did this, like I said, this week. And so I'll go through this again. In verse 14, well, 15, 16, it uses these words. Let me give you some of these words. Envy, self-seeking, boastful. Those should not be a part of my personality. Should not be a part of my personality. To be envious, self-seeking, or boastful. But then in verse 17, I believe it is, it uses words like this that we should be. My personality should be pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, merciful, without partiality or hypocrisy. That's what my personality should look like. So if I'm just wanting, if I'm wanting to kind of reflect on this, you know, how do I line up? Just read those verses. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you about any of that, maybe there's some things that need to die in your life. Maybe there's some things that need to come to life in your life. Then just ask God to help you do that. Because listen, th this, this life of mine and yours it's constantly on the move. It's constantly changing. I'm constantly having to put down and I'm constantly having to build up at the same time. See, I don't want to come in here and preach a sermon and, and beat you down. See, I come here to build you up, but sometimes some things have to be tore down so that you can be built up. Amen? Merciful without partiality and hypocrisy. It goes on in in uh, uh, chapter 4, I believe it is, 
verse 6 where it talks about God resists the proud. We should not have a proud or a haughty attitude or personality. Number five, moving right along. This is the last one. Refuse to judge others. Refuse to judge others. 4.11, do not speak evil of one another. Do not speak evil of one another. Don't judge, it goes on, don't judge one another. Don't judge other people. Gossip has destroyed more people than any disease. How many say amen? amen? See, when I start judging you, uh, then really and truthfully, uh, I, I become, I start, I, it, it, it begins to work into not being partial. When I start judging you, what I start saying or thinking is, I put myself in the place of God. Yeah, I have a right, I have a right to say, you, you done that and it's wrong, you done this and it was right. I don't have a right to put you down. What I should do is see that and, and look at myself. How do I reflect on that? How do I act in that situation? You know, it's real easy to see problems in other people's lives, but what we need to do is turn that around and say, but is that operating in my life? Is that working against me? Maybe you've seen it in somebody else so that God could reveal it's also working in you. But when you start judging people, come on, say amen. You start judging people, you'll start condemning people. And you know what condemnation does? Condemnation says you're guilty and there's no way out. Really what it does, it says <clears throat> you're going to hell. You know, we used to have this phrase when I was in sin that people use, oh, go to hell. Well, you know, a lot of Christians don't use that, thank God, but sometimes they act it out. They say it in other ways. I can tell you here today that whoever is in this room right now, listen, you're just as important to God as anyone else. Amen. Nobody has a right to judge you. The Bible says you, can't ju you shouldn't judge another man's servant. I'm a servant. I'm a child of God. You have no right to judge me. You, you have no right. Let me say it this way. You have no right to pass judgment on me. Only God can do that. How I many can say amen? How many is ready to demonstrate your Christian faith in your walk with God? I hope you remember this. I hope I remember it. See, I, I, get, I get a heads up. I've already preached it once this week, now I've preached it twice, and I preached it several times to myself through the week, which makes it a lot easier for me. Thank God for that. Because one of the good things about it is that if I need to repent of anything, I get it all out and repent it up before I stand up here before you. So I can just smile and preach it, you know, as though nothing had ever, I'd ever, never been guilty of any of it. <laughs> Amen. But I want to talk, I just want to end today by talking about powerful faith for just a minute. Powerful faith. We talked about practical faith, now powerful faith. Let me show you this. Because when you, get, when you get to thinking on any subject, but practical faith and then powerful faith, see, I just see it everywhere I read in the Bible now. In James chapter 5, let me just give you, show you powerful faith for just a minute, and then we're going to pray for you. I want you, to, I want you to see this so that faith will arise in your hearts to receive from the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 15, where it says, uh, verse 14, is there any sick among you? 
Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. That's powerful faith. Save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Goes on about confessing our trespasses to one another. Then it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then it tells a story I've referred to many times, Elijah, verse 17 and 18. Elijah prayed that it would not rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again and it rained. Powerful faith caused the rain to come. <laughs> well, wasn't that a great episode? I sure hope you enjoyed it. I hope it enriched your life. I hope it is helping you live a life better after the love of Jesus Christ. If you enjoyed it, I want you to make sure you click on that subscribe button. Also, you can go to our website, WLFAR.com, and click on the Give button and help support what God is doing in our region. God bless you.